not as easy or fun as a lot of us think. So the truth is that I do get a little bit burned out by just because pretty much everything that I acquired this year was just, you know, value add. And we do boots on the ground. We do go to our team member and allocate the work just because of my nature being an accountant. I always have to see everything. It's hard for me not to Mm. look at the financial statement every month. It's hard for me not to balance the checkbook. So I have to see everything and manage the cost to the best ability that I can for our investors. Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to another episode of Weiss Advice. I'm your host, Yona Weiss, today with another incredible guest, excited to be sharing the Zoom call today with Elsa Nguyen. I I messed up your name. I knew I did, but I got it as best, best as I could. Happy to have you on the show, Elsa. Thanks so much for joining me. Of course, pleasure is my Yoda. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Yeah. So I'd love for our listeners to have a little context, you know, before we get into a little of your backstory. Tell us a little about, you know, who you are and how you got started in the real estate game. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. So my story go back to 1991. That's when I immigrated to the United States at the age of 13. And it was a difficult adjustment, you know, came from poverty, immigrated to this country with zero English and went to school, got a corporate job in accounting and did not like anything about it. So I decided to quit in 2016 and went into real estate because for some reason, I just love some real estate in general. So I thought this might be a right move for me. I went into real estate being a real estate agent. That was somehow fulfilling, but it wasn't there. You know, like you, sometimes you feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm there, but I'm not quite there yet. And then someone came to me in 2018 and asked me, hey, do you want to invest as a passive investors in a development deal? Oh, really? And this is the first time that I've heard about investing as a passive investors. So I asked more about that. And the return was great, you know, 25% annualized return. It's a development, land development deal. I'm like, this is too good to be true. But you know what? This might be a good opportunity. So I dive right in and my instinct was right. It was too good to be true. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Too good of a return. So essentially that project failed and, but I learned a lesson, but that also was an eye opening for me to get into what I'm doing right now, because then I've learned about how syndication work and from land development, I ventured into apartment syndication because I felt that was a much less, we could potentially mitigate a lot of risk by, you know, buying properties that already have a stream of revenue rather than a piece of land. So that kind of led me to where I am do right today. And I'm, I quit my real estate job almost entirely. I didn't do any deal this year. And I focus 100% on apartment syndication. Amazing. Wow. Okay. So that's a lot packed in there. I mean, first of all, <laughs> it's amazing to see people, you know, coming to this country, immigrating with 
zero English and being able to be successful. It's just so inspiring to so many people. It's, I mean, they call it the American dream, but it really is. It's, it's that drive that you see other people succeeding. You see other people doing things and, you know, you learn, you go through struggles. That's for sure. We all have struggles in our lives, but, you know, having faced with something like that is, is extremely hard, especially at that age. I know. I mean, I have a 13 year old at home and (laughs) I've had a few teenagers. So it's a hard age, you know, to be kind of thrown into a brand new environment. So for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But it's the land of opportunity, right? I think a lot of children, I have children in that age too. And a lot of times they don't know any better. So they do take things for granted where yeah. I came from. I'm like, this is a dream for a lot of people. It's like the American dream is buying a house. But over there in the world country, it's just a dream for them just to be here in America. Wow. That's it. Well, good. Um, well, I'm glad you you took that and running with it. But now you you mentioned leaving kind of the accounting world, finance world that you were working in the corporate world, moving into real estate, and then becoming a real estate broker, and then moving into apartment syndications. Having a first exposure to it was failed exposure, right? Was that deal that you did, and you know that's important because you learn, like you said, you learn from those those type of things. <laughs> But how did you actually, I'm really curious to know how you transitioned and learn more about actively syndicating deals like you're doing right now? You know, I poke around a little bit in the beginning just to see like, how do I get into this stuff, right? I knew my first deal was failing, being a passive investor, but I, I actually saw the potential in this field and how one would be able to go out and do this by pulling you know, capital from a few people together and go out right. and buy. So the concept was there, but I really couldn't get, I didn't know how to get started. I tried to do it on my own for about six months and I'm like, I cannot do this without a mentor. So mm. that's when I started to sign up for a mastermind group oh, and, exactly and that helped for. me. Yeah, it helped me in a tremendous way because all of a sudden I was in a room full of people who was like thinking and feeling and just wanted to be just like me. Whereas Mm -hmm. before I was all by myself, like I just didn't know who to talk to. I didn't know where to start. And so the mastermind that I joined was a tremendous help. Amazing. So tell us a little more about the mastermind, because I know a lot of people listening to this call right now or this podcast are people who are in your situation or were, you know, in a situation similar to you wanting to learn about actively investing or passively investing for that matter in real estate, you know, how do you go about finding a mastermind? I mean, you just like Google, like mastermind, you had any friends that were doing this? Did you go to any events or anything like that, that led you up to this? That's a really good question, Yoda. And I really think this is God. Like I didn't know anything about the different mastermind group out there. And I started joining a few Facebook group for multifamily. Hmm. And there was this one guy, he posted on one of the Facebook group that I was in. And he's like, hey, you know, my name is, I'm from Israel and I have investors and I want to invest in the U.S. So if you partner with me, I can bring investor into your deal. So I'm like, oh, this is sweet, right? <laughs> Again, too good to be true, right? No. Right. So I'm like, okay, I reached out to him and we decided to partner up. I'm like, okay, I'll find deals here. And when I came from a real estate background, I know how to find deals. And you got invested from Israel, so let's work together. And long story short, the very first deal that I did was I worked with an Israeli guy and we did a house in Detroit, a fix and flip. Oh boy. Didn't work out. But I got some good friendship out of that. And then Yanif one day, he's like, also, how about we join 
a multifamily group. I just attended a online bootcamp with Rod Cleave. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. And so that was the very first time I've heard of Rod Cleave, right? And he told me he attended the bootcamp. He's like, how about we join that group together? So I poke around a little bit. I'm like, okay, let's do it. So we both joined the program. And so that's kind of how it was for me. Yaniv, mm-hmm. he ended up going in a different direction. He worked with some equity firm there in Israel. And then I stayed at the multifamily. We stay as friend, but that's kind of how I found it. You know, without him, without that organic Facebook post, I probably still, I mean, I think at some point in time, I will still find it. Sure. But that's how I found the mastermind group that I was in. That's amazing. That's awesome. And then, okay, how does that work? Like, what do you do in the mastermind? You learn about it, you talk about, you find deals, you underwrite them. I know you had worked as a CFO previously in your previous career, correct? Mm -hmm. So you have a lot of the finance, you have a lot of the numbers, the accounting side of things probably down. And that's a really valuable lesson. Were you able to use a lot of those skills to kind of translate into the underwriting in the real multifamily deals as well? Definitely, that helped me in a tremendous way with the accounting background that I've had. So I was able to, you know, thank God for that accounting number background and my real estate background. I was able to at least get, you know, five deals, negotiate with broker, put them in a contract and underwrite. And of course, with the help with the mastermind group that I was in, I started to learn how to underwrite and look at numbers. And because of that, I was able to get into, I I would be able to put property under contract, right? And then the next thing for me would be to go out and talk to people to see if they want to partner with me. Mm-hmm. And that's when the Rod Khalif group really came in handy because he has quite a few mastermind students yeah. in his group. I think now he probably, when I joined him, he only had like 300 people. I think he's at a thousand now. Wow. Yeah. So he grew really fast. And there was just a lot of opportunity for me to, to network, to talk to people and brought them into, you know, working with me on the deals that I have put under contract. So it was just all kind of, fell into pieces, you know, all the pieces fell into places. So it's just pretty, you know, like I didn't see what was coming. Sure. But I just took one step at a time. And ta-da, the next thing I know, you know, we did like seven, I think we just eight, seven or eight deals just this year, which is amazing. That's awesome. <laughs> Multifamily properties, buying seven or eight deals. That's incredible. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, like when it comes to multifamily, it just, you know, you find a deal, right? You mm-hmm. underwrite it. It looks good. You put it in a contract and you just find money to close and then you manage it, of course. Right. So I was lucky with my background. The first two pieces came pretty fairly easy for me, finding deals, put it in a contract and then underwrite the numbers. And then I, you know, we're still learning how to, you know, we always need to raise capital and talk right. to people right. and build our database. And that's, a, that's always a working process. And then manage the property. Right. That's it. And that's probably the hardest part, right? Once it you is have, the hardest part. Because it that's how, different. you know, you can, the numbers can work great on Excel, but once you actually have the property, you have to manage it and you have to take care of all the day to day. It's a whole different world. So that hopefully, you know, is that something that you are participating in an active basis as well? Or do you have other partners that come in the deal that, that manage or do the asset management? So the question I was asking you, and and maybe your editors can, can kind of splice this together. I don't know where you got in your explanation, but the last thing that I said, I remember is, you know, the asset management 
once you actually acquire their property, that's probably one of the hardest parts. Is that something that you are learning and doing as well more actively, or do you have other partners that are feeling that? You're one hundred percent absolutely right. You know, a lot of people who has not tasted the fruit of assets management, they all want to be in that role. <laughs> right. And, yeah, it's all fun until you do it, right? <laughs> exactly. And I totally agree with you. It is so difficult because you have to deal with so many elements, right? You, unless you have your own property management company, which you will have some sort of control over it. But it's hard because, you know, depending on where you are, we cannot control, you know, taking especially the properties that I've been focusing on with like value add. So taking a property from 50% occupancy to 90% alone is very challenging. And then yeah. now we have people to come and work and manage all of that aspect, a lot of renovation, a lot of rehab. And so it's not as easy or fun as a lot of us think. So the truth is that I do get a little bit burned out by just because pretty much everything that I acquired this year was just, you know, value add. Right. And we do boots on the ground. We do go to our team member and allocate the work just because of my nature being an accountant. I always have to see everything. It's hard for me not to mm. look at the financial statement every month. It's hard for me not to balance the checkbook, you know. Right. So I have to uh, yeah, I sure. have to see everything and manage the cost to the best ability that I can for our investors. Sure. So yeah, you're absolutely right. It is a very challenging part. <laughs> very challenging job. Challenging but rewarding, right? You have the business, you know, and if you can turn it around and it sounds like you did buy some, you know, more relatively distressed properties. You're talking about taking from 50% occupancy. That's a big challenge. And turning a property right. like that around can also turn around, you know, a handsome profit, which will, you know, if done properly, will bring your investors back to come back for more. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, the investor will get a pretty, you know, hefty returns, but the process of taking the property from a class, a D or C to a B, where is a mm -hmm. process. It takes time. It does take time, but you're absolutely right. It is very rewarding. It's just, you know, when you see the transformation, it does something to me. It's just so rewarding. All right. And it wow. build up our investors. <laughs> oh, amazing. What do you see going forward? I mean, to acquire seven or eight properties together with partners, okay? Obviously, we're, <laughs> we're not saying you did this all on your own, clearly. There were partners involved. But to do that in one year, I mean, how do you see yourself going forward in scaling? Is it you're still in acquisition mode or is it let's really focus on getting these properties turned around and getting these you know where they need to be before you go forward? Or I'm just curious, what's your goal and plan going forward in the next year or two? Oh, wow. That's a great question, Yona. So I'm still working on acquisition, but I'm also working on another plan to shift it more toward capital raising to yeah. be a capital partner with other people rather than focusing on the operation part. Right. In the meantime, I mean, I haven't, it's to, everything is a transition, right? So I purchased my first California property and I really like it. I live here. I know everyone's scares of California. I see the potentials here. And it is another major fix and flip. But since I live here, I don't feel like it's a lot of work. Does it make sense? Know the people. I'm the boots on the ground. Yeah. I like it. I like going there. I could feel it. I can touch it. I can. So it's just, I hold it dear to my heart. And I want to do more of this. So there's smaller acquisition here in California, fix and flip. But in the meantime, 
Garrison and I, you know, we just decided to merge our company and we just started a new company called Invest Now Capital. So Invest Now Capital will focus more on fund raising capital and instead of the operation. So that's kind of the new direction that we're heading toward in the next few years. That's great. And I think it's important, you know, to be able to shift and realize, you know, what your strengths are, what you could bring to the table. And don't necessarily think, you know, you have to do everything. You have to do every part of the deal. There, There's so much opportunity out there. And I Correct. think it's, that, yeah. that, mm-hmm. that's awesome that you guys have kind of taken that and taken that role, seeing what you can do with it and moving in that direction. I think you'll have a lot of success because, you know, if you have great investors that want to come back and more and more deals, there are a lot of deals out there and people are, you know, look for capital. And I think that's, is always a big challenge. What's the hardest thing? Is it to find deals or to, is it to find capital for the deals? Right? It's like the chicken. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I totally hear you. And then also there's just a lot of, you know, we were able to enjoy that very low interest rate for a period of time. Mm-hmm. And even if you bought, if you buy a property and you overpay a little bit for it, but you know, due to the low interest rate, we still could make it work. But the reality is that that's not going to be the case anymore. So I was thinking, you know, in order to best serve uh, my investors is that I would be able to leverage every dollars that I could by working with a strong operator who can leverage their experience to get a better interest rate because of their track records, right? They may be vertically integrated, so they have their own property management company. That also helps us save money. Mm-hmm. And by putting together a fund, I could diversify, mitigate that risk by not just investing in one property, but in multiple properties. So our investors don't have to get, if something happened in that one particular property, you know, their money is well leveraged. So this is kind of the direction that I'm thinking and heading, and I think that will best serve our investors in the futures. That's great. That's a smart move. Invest next. Is that what we said? Invest. Invest now. Invest now. Sorry. Invest now (laughs) capital, right? Invest now capital. There you go. (laughs) Let's do it. Okay. That's really the call to action, you know, for a name of a company. (laughs) That's right. Someone's Googling, where can I invest now? You know, and like, and I Google, oh, invest there now. Go. There you go. There you That's go. what it is. <laughs> you got to use your SEO on your website, you know, invest now. There you go. All right. Yep. That's awesome. <laughs> I want to transition now to what we call the final four, Elsa. These are four questions I ask all my guests. First question for you is, what is the worst job that you ever had? Selling fish in the market. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I did mention to you that I came from a third world country. And my yeah. father was a fisherman. And I remember seven, eight years old, he would go to the sea and catfish. And I would take those to the flea market and sell them. And I was horrible at that. Like I would sit there and nobody buy my fish. I remember, you know, like maybe because I was too young and people really looked out on me, but people would go to the lady next to me and would buy it from them, even though she was more expensive than she would buy it from me. So I'm like, what's wrong with me? I couldn't sell anything. My sister, my older sister, a couple of years older than me, on the other hand, she was really good at that. So anyway, that was the worst job because every time I had to go to the market and help my mom sell those fishes, I always came back to the house with a basket still full of fish. (laughs) So I did not enjoy that job at all. And you smell bad and, you know, it just, it didn't sit well with me. 
So yeah, and then I had some other odd job, but if I have to go back, that's probably the one job that I never want to do again. Yeah, that doesn't <laughs> sound like it. Yeah, fish market, I think for most people will be the worst job ever. Yeah, I've been to the fish market. I know what the... <laughs> yeah, you you look, I probably look like one. I smell like one and it's, you know, it's just not a fun place to be for at sure. all. But that was uh, my first sale job. There really. you go. <laughs> well, you know, you learn really quickly what you don't want to do. And so... Exactly. All right. So second question for you is what is a book you've read that's given you a paradigm shift? You know, I read a lot of books and there's so many great books out there. How to win friends and influence people, seven habits of highly effective people. And during COVID, I stumbled upon a book by Absalom. It's called The Game of Life and How to Play It. Very small, like 30 pages book. And that changed my life. Wow. And that book was written in, I guess, in the 1800s or 1900s. And it's, she focused on the power of the words. Like you manifest what you say. It's, it's all mm-hmm. started with our thinking, our thoughts, mm-hmm. and it come out from our mouth. And whatever that we release will fulfill itself. And she backed it up with biblical verses, with like scripture. I'm like, well, I never saw it that way. You know, I was taught like, you know, you should just be content with what you have. Don't ask for more. That was just the teaching that I was taught growing up. And this woman proved that whole belief was wrong. Wow. <laughs> so I have to say that book really changed my life in 2020 during COVID when I found it. And I believe that really propelled me to where I am today because it's really shifted my whole thinking. Like I used to think I cannot do that. Yes, I can do that. It's all stuck in my mind. I need to change that. I have to see that I have that I can achieve that before the reality kick in. You have to see the success in our mind first. Right. So yeah, the book called How to Win the Game of Life and How to Play It. Yeah, that's amazing. That's actually the first time I've ever heard of that book, certainly on this show. So we'll make sure to put that in the show notes. And if it's but the premise of it is something that I hold very, very near and dear to my heart also and live that. But so I'm really interested in checking that and just seeing that, especially, you know, given biblical scripture back, you know, to source a lot of the concepts, that to me is always powerful because mm-hmm. you're talking about the word of God. You you can't you can't really go wrong when you're, exactly. when you're dealing with that. And exactly. oftentimes it it seems abstract or we don't know how to process it. But when you have books that understand it and understand, you know, what's really going on in those words and how to apply it practically to your life. That's what I love. Those are the types of books I love. So definitely going to check book. that one out. Appreciate you bringing that up. So third question, what is a skill or talent that you would like to learn? I really want to get better at sharing the capital raising, as I say, that's the one area that I want to grow on. But a lot of that just boiled down to us able to share how good real estate investment is, right? It's not a sale job. It's not trying to convince people to invest with us or anything, but you are the cost sec experts. We all know that. And just as as simple as like explain to them how depreciation works goes a long way. You know, how I could save your money, you know, your tax dollars by looking into real estate investment. So just to be able to release that and educate people is the one of the skills that I really want to really like emphasize on. I mean, I have to do the study myself because we, right. in this career, we have to keep reading and stay on top of everything, right? Yeah. In order to transfer that knowledge to our investors. 
So that is what's something that I'm working on every day and I'm hoping to get better and better okay. every day at that skill. That's great. Awesome. Well, it's definitely a skill, definitely an important one, especially for your business. So hope to keep it going. That's pretty, pretty ambitious of you. So keep it going. And let's just move to the fourth and final question, which is what does success mean to you? Success to me means happy. So it doesn't matter if I have a lot of money, a little money, I have to be happy and content with what I have. Mm -hmm. So not happy as, oh, I'm so happy I'm going out and party tonight, but happy in terms of contentment. You know what I mean? Like just be where we are at that very moment, regardless of how little or how much you have. Uh, So to me, that's success. Wow. Okay. I mean, so that's huge. That's really everything. I mean, being happy and now we have to define what happy is, but. Exactly. And that's different for everyone, you know, exactly. that's right. very different and different season of life. You know, sometimes when we are a parent, happy means just, you know, children happy, right. Yeah. Or when we are working on a project, happy means we take it from point A to point Z and able to fulfill the promise that we had, you know, to our investors. So, that's happiness. <laughs> yeah, listen, there's, there's the many, many, many different levels. Absolutely. Exactly. There's so yeah. many levels. So to, to me, it, that so. would be success is to be able to keep our promises, do things with integrity and just be happy, content with wherever we are. Awesome. Love it. Love the answer. Thank you so much, Alice. It's been a pleasure. Last and finally, where can our listeners find you or reach out to you if they want to? So as I mentioned earlier, our website, investnowcapital.com, or I am also on Facebook, on LinkedIn, and those are the two social media sites that I'm most you know active on. Okay. Well, we will make sure to put all that in the show notes and appreciate you taking the time out today and coming on the show and looking forward to seeing your continued success. And you know, hopefully we'll be able to do this again sometime. Same to you, Yona. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be on your podcast today. All right. And to our listeners, thank you guys for joining us once again all the way until the end. And remember, the best advice comes only when you ask. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I want to ask you a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message to the whole world is that if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this podcast is out on is that you like my stuff and I'm doing something right. So take a few seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating review. I would be extremely grateful. Also, I want to hear from you guys. So I want to hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn, send me a DM, a connection request, Yona Weiss, and I'd love to hear from you.